hanging out with us, joining us online. We're going to be continuing, continuing our series, Sit With Me Today, with a little subtitle message I like to call Foundation. Foundation. Now, the story that we're going to be talking about today is literally Palm Sunday, right? The, the triumphal entry, as it's called. And Jesus, this is the story where Jesus is riding into town on a donkey, right? You would think like a white stallion or some sort of like caravan of camels or something, right? I think of like Aladdin even, like on like an elephant. Sorry, I don't know why we just went there, but I'm ADD. I'm a youth pastor. You'll, you'll catch on. Um, but it's just, it's just fun just to kind of think of Jesus coming in on a, on a donkey, you know, and, and people are throwing down their, the palm branches before his feet. It's just a really cool story. In fact, this is so cool of a story that not only just, not just it's not just found in uh, just a few gospels, but it's found in all of the gospels. If you were to go back and read these, you'd find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the gospels, all the different accounts. Why? Because of it, it, it's importance, right? Because it's kind kind of a big deal. It's a it's an important story that literally all the authors decided to tell us. But specifically, we're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 1, 21. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get that out, read along with us. If you don't have a physical Bible, go to the nearest hotel, go to the nearest drawer, pull you out of Gideon, take that with you. That's why they're there. It's not stealing if they offer it for you. And if not, then you should see Ken Aguilar. Okay. He has plenty of Bibles. It's like Oprah. You get a Bible, you get a Bible, you get a Bible, you get a, he loves giving them out. Okay. So, and if, listen, if you're not the physical Bible type, oh my gosh, Pastor Watson, it's so heavy. I can't even deal. Like get you an iPhone, download you version. It's not that hard, but stay on task. Okay. If you're going to be in the Bible, stay on it. All right. Don't be Facebooking like this guy is just, can you believe this guy? No, I can't because you should be on the Bible, right? Anyway, sorry. Um, or if the, you're going to go on the website, go to eunicechurch.com slash notes, take notes. It's going to be a good day for that. Are you ready? Are you excited? Let's read. Matthew chapter 21 verse one says this. When they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go over to the village opposite of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Skip down to verse six. The disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their garments on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their garments on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees, palms, you're welcome, there it is, and spread them out on the road. The crowds that went before him and that followed him cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10, when he entered Jerusalem, the entire city, everybody say entire Entire city was moved saying, who is he? The crowd said, this is Jesus. That is tight. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now I want to also share John's account of this. This is found in chapter 12 of John, verse 16. It says, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Verse 17. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness 
Verse 18, the crowd went and met him there for this reason. They heard that he had performed this sign, meaning that they were there following after what they had seen from Lazarus and what he had done there. They followed him and they were with him whenever he entered the city. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you so much for this incredible opportunity. God, I pray that you would move today in this place. God, that you would speak through your word. God, that you would have your way in us and through us. God, use us, mold us, make us, shape us, God, into the people you've called us to to be, the people that we know that we should be. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Man, it's going to be a good day. I remember, I am, I'm so excited about what we have to offer here at the church, right? For your kids, for everything. I mean, whenever it comes to like Wednesday nights and Awanas and, and everything that we have for the little children's, right? Um, we have um, something I like to call children's church, right? And if you don't know that, if you have your kid in here today, I encourage you, send them over. It's free babysitting. You're welcome, Okay. And, and they love it. Like, Pastor Lydia does an incredible job. Like, no, they, you just don't know my child. You don't know our children's pastor. Hello. Like, she loves kids. She loves them. Like, for real. Like, this is her being. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, she like just, oh my gosh, children. Like, who does that, first of all? But she does, okay? She loves the little children. She's like, Jesus, just send them over. Tell them to come to me, right? And they come, and she's just incredible, right? So Pastor Lydia does this incredible job over here in our children's department. By the way, I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have it, right? We had Sunday school, okay? And then we had to sit in church with our parents, okay? Let me just tell you something about this, okay? Here at New Hope, we have children's church. We have Awanas going on on Wednesday nights where they learn like fun stuff, right? They get to play and learn about Jesus. Who knew that Jesus and fun was just the same thing, all right? It, it was incredible experience. And then not only that, we have small groups for us as, as like grown-ups, right? We get to have fun too. Like tonight, I'm going to own some teenagers in Ultimate Frisbee. Why? Because it's fun and it's Jesus. You're welcome, right? Like it's, it can be one and the same. It can correspond together. Why? Because we can learn about Jesus through small groups and we can have a great time. Just how children can have fun and do all this incredible stuff. I didn't have that when I grew up. Yeah, I went high voice. I didn't have that. No, didn't have it. Not at all. I had to go to Sunday school and learn about Jesus on a felt board. Anybody know what a felt board is? It's like an iPad for the early 90s, okay? Little paper people with little letter. Who knew that? Why? Okay, first of all, why have letters? Just have the whole thing felt, okay? And they just stick it up on the board and it's like, all right, this is David. No, it's not. That's a piece of paper. Um, that's not, no, that doesn't work out really well, right? And then sometimes if you use it a lot, it just fall off. Most of you aren't laughing, so you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. Anybody, I just remember like learning all these funny songs like Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Nod your head. Turn around. Sit down. Nod your head. Stick your tongue out. Like all this crazy stuff. Like, is this even biblical? Okay. Like Father Abraham, I had him and he had me. I don't even understand. My dad is Paul. Okay. That's not my daddy. My daddy is not Abraham. Who are you? Right. My mom 
told me that I had to wish my first Sunday school teacher a happy birthday. She just turned 80. I see you, Martha Jones. I see you, girl. I got you, right? I I had to wish her happy birthday because she was, for me, it was foundational, right? She laid a firm foundation for for me to know these stories and these songs, right? I remember like uh, we would sing this stupid song, My God's Got a Ram in the Bush. Apparently we sang a lot of stuff about Abraham, which I didn't understand. You know, what about Jesus? Jesus loves me this. I know. Yeah, we we read that one too. But we, we sang this weird song, My God's Got a Ram in the Bush. My God's got a ram in the bush. Just like that, okay? We were like five. Anyway, and then sometimes we'd sing like, my God's got a giraffe in the butt. Does he really? Like, when did we, and we start naming like hippos and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Like, I didn't understand what we were doing. It was just, I think they just wanted to entertain us. But then once Sunday school was over, we had to sit in Sunday church. We didn't have children's church, right? We didn't have small groups. We didn't have next gen. We didn't have that. Right, I had to sit down on the front row, with, front row, <laughs> front row with my mama, and she'd be getting on to me like, "Stop it, stop it! I'm gonna beat you! I will beat you!" And she'd grab me and like she'd be whispering in my ear, "Y'all, this one time, I, I'm for real." She was whispering in my ear, and it was it was skipping past my ear and hitting my nostrils. Like, I don't know if she didn't, mom, I love you, I love you, I mean it. Um, she just didn't brush her teeth this morning or something. It was like. It wasn't the Holy Spirit either. I was like, oh, gee, oh, Jesus. Like it was, I was, and she thought I was being like defiant or like, like, stop, mom, stop. No, I, I just, her breath was kicking, y'all. I just couldn't, sorry, I love you. I love you, mom. But it was one of those things that just like, it hit me. Like we didn't have children's church or anything like that. This was foundational for me. This is, this is why I have the issues that I have. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. But anyway, you, you understand what I'm saying. This, this is foundational to get stories like this and songs like this. Listen, listen, Jesus to these people, they were, they were, the, he was their source. He was foundational for them. They got it. They, it for them, it clicked. Why? Because they, they dropped everything that they were doing that day. In fact, it said the entire city was asking about who he was. The entire city, right where they were, they dropped everything that they were doing to come meet Jesus. They began to take off their garments and lay it before his feet as he was coming into the town. They began to cut off branches and palm trees and lay it at his feet, welcoming, singing praises, giving him glory. Why? Because they knew at that moment, especially the people coming from Lazarus, that he was their source. That this was a firm foundation that they could believe in and they can trust in. They believed that Jesus was their source for healing. Come on. They believed that he was their source for joy, for their strength. Why, why else would they drop everything that they were doing to come and meet who Jesus was? To see who he was. To see what he was capable of. They got this foundational reminder that Jesus is who he says he was basically like this. What does it mean for us? What does this look like for us? Why do you come to church? Why do you come to church, right? Well, here's here's a a big reason, or or here's a big, you know, sign. When you invite people to church, why do you ask them to come to church? Girl, you should come to New Hope. Let me tell you something. Oh, 
Oh, let me tell you something. You want to know what's going on at my church? We got some awesome worship. It's awesome. It will blow your hair follicles away. Like it will, the subs in there, oh my gosh, girl, let me tell you something. Pastor John has the voice of an angel, right? <laughs> that girl, Amber with the red hair, girl, she is passionate, right? She be getting it. Ooh, girl, you should come to my church. Girl, I'm there. I'm coming, right? Or is it because like you got some like, you got fun stuff for your kids to go to? Girl, let me tell you something. You should come to my church because all y'all little five kids you got, you can bring them in children's church. You ain't, we got free babysitting. Free babysitting? Like I could just take a breath in church? Yes. Come on, girl. I'm there. Right? Or, come on, guys. Don't act, I ain't forget about you. Dude, you should come to church. Why, bro? Bro, our preacher, beard, huge. Massive. He's got like the beard of an angel, right? And the dude is yoked. He's walking around. He's like, bro, Jesus is awesome. Bro, you should come to my church. I'm there, bro. When are we going? I'm there. You know what I'm saying? Right? We, we have these invitation little one-liners like, like, dude, you should come to my church. Why? Because it's awesome. Because your kids have so many great things to go to because they get to pick up eggs Saturday and it's going to be awesome on LSUE's campus. Right? We have so many great things that we want to invite people to go to. But when's the last time we invited somebody to church because of Jesus? When's the last time we were so excited about what Jesus was doing in my life? You got to get to my church. When's the last time you came up and God did something in your life and you left the next day and you told your coworker, y'all, I got healed, right? What about Jesus? What is he doing in our life? Listen, those things are great and awesome and wonderful. I'm glad we have the best worship team in the stinking state. Come on. I'm glad we have an incredible preacher that loves to preach the word and is yoked at the same time. I'm glad we have an incredible children's ministry. But if we don't have Jesus, then we have a social club. And that's not what we have here. He is our source. He is our foundation and should be everything that we talk about when it comes to our community, when it comes to inviting people. This should be the sole reason why we do what we do. And it is. I love that. I want to skip down because I really believe this was several verses, or excuse me, several chapters earlier. Jesus was telling this story, talking about being the foundation, talking about, he, he used to, Jesus would tell all these stories in parables, right? He would give all these descriptions, these examples, and I love the way that Jesus taught. And this is found in Matthew chapter 7, and this is talking about the foundation in which we build our lives on. And so it reads like this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its what? Foundation. Come on, say that together. Foundation. On the rock. It was built on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. A lot of times we miss the opportunity to build our life on a firm foundation, and that's Jesus, right? 
That's what we're circling and, and really honing in on today is that when it comes to sitting, sitting with Jesus, right? The, the whole series that we're in right now is sitting with Jesus, sit with me. And in fact, turning that around and asking someone as an invitation, hey, come and sit with me. Come enjoy the presence of Jesus together. We have to get back to this place to where Jesus doesn't become some second nature. He doesn't have to become our leftovers. But in fact, he is our source and our foundation, our first choice. He's not optional, but he's, he's something that we focus in on. He is our source, our foundation. He's not something that we, we just... You know, oh, it's just happenstance. It's just, it's just Jesus, or it's just, or it's just church. Because if church should be the, if Jesus should be the focus at our church. Come on, then listen. We don't have to get to a place where we we choose something else over going to church or over going to spend some time with Jesus, right? But we we will go to work. But when it comes to spending time with Jesus, oh, I, you know, it's Sunday, it's my Sabbath, I gotta, I gotta go fix lunch, I gotta go prepare this for my family, I gotta go do this, I gotta go do that. But yet we miss out on a foundational principle to spend time with Jesus. The one day a week, what else are we doing outside of that? You know, I wanna give you an example. I, I love illustrations. I think Jesus told incredible stories. I, I feel like I, I, I just give cool examples. Like, I love these kind of things. Um, so these are blocks that I stole from the Children's Center. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, I was just so excited. Pastor Lydia was like, what are you doing with those? I was like, just playing, hanging out, you know. Just chill. I had several people say, Pastor Weston, it's not time to play this morning. As I was preparing this illustration, I was like, it's for my illustration. It's okay. And they're like, Okay, and it made him more intrigued, like, okay, I want to see what's going on. But a few months ago, uh, Kelsey was up here. She was working out with the ladies, and I was trying to set up tables in the student center for Next Steps, which, by the way, if you want to come to Next Steps today, it's the third step. I encourage you to come. You should come if you haven't gone. It's great. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Pretty excited about Next Steps today. <laughs> ben Fontenot Cook. It's going to be good. Hey. All right, sorry. I'm back. But anyway, I was, uh, I was in the student center. I was preparing for next steps, setting up tables. And my daughter, Camry, who's a two-year-old who's going on 12, uh, she was in there to, uh, this particular day, and she was playing with blocks because I needed to get something done, and I need something to entertain her. Don't act like you've never done it before either. Okay, don't judge me. Anyway, so she was playing with these blocks, and she, it, it looks like something funky like this. Some sort of crazy apparatus that had no rhyme or reason to it. She wanted to build a tower, except this tower is like this. It's like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Oh, good job, babe. Yeah, that's great. No, here's, here's the problem. She kept on building it, and she was like, oh, my gosh, look, that is And it would do that, and she would go, like that, like her mama, okay? It was like, whoa, easy, little Kelsey. Back up. But here is the problem. Like, I kept on seeing her do this, struggling, like literally captain of the struggle bus here. And um, I was trying to help her. I was like, babe, you got to, and I'm setting up tables, and I'm like doing all this stuff. I'm like, babe, you got to, no, put the big block on the, put, stop. Okay, you know what? Let me, and she, would, she kept on asking me, Daddy, you come and play with me? No, baby, I got to set up tables. Daddy, you come and play with me? No, baby, I got to, Daddy, you come, okay, I will. Gosh, you don't have, you got to help her out a little bit. So I would come over here and I, like, she's like starting out the tower like this, okay? That's going to fall, 
right? Let's all be honest here. And so I had to help her out, and I was like, baby, you got you to gotta put this firm foundation underneath it, right? Talking real pastor-like. Baby, you got to put a firm foundation on it like this, right? You got to do it like that, right? I'm kidding. I wasn't talking like that. But I was trying to help her understand. I was like, baby, if, if you make it somewhat more, more firm, like on the bottom, it won't fall over as easily. And what she began to understand is that you know what, if she would have just let me help her in the beginning, she would have been a lot less stressed about it. See, a lot of times we're guilty of doing that same thing with Jesus, is that he's trying to help us understand what we need to do to make it better. But a lot of times we just think, well, if I just do it on my own, I got it. Well, Pastor Weston, I got it. I got it. I'll I'll be all right. Jesus, I I got it. It, it, It's okay. Let let me do me. Let me do me. Let me do me. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm going to figure it out on my own. I'm going to figure it out. I'm strong enough. I'm strong enough. I'm strong enough. Well, then at the end of the day, it ends up falling over again and again and again, and we don't understand why. And if we just get to a place where we rely on Jesus, our source and our foundation, he's big enough, he's strong enough, and he loves us enough that he'll come and help us make it right. There's another little illustration I wanted to give as well because this kind of got me thinking. Whew, that worked out perfectly. <laughs> it made me think about this little, this little deal. We were praying one morning over here in the children's center, and I, I made this thing. This is life. I don't know why this represents life, but it is, you know. Uh, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's chaotic. It's funky looking. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It just is what it is, right? You, you like that? And so what ends up happening is a lot of times we, maybe we have a kid, you know, and it kind of gets put on the top because our children are everything to us. Trust me, I know I have a two-year-old. <laughs> and then a lot of times maybe, maybe, Students, you, you have a test, a big, you know, finals are coming up, and, or maybe you're about to graduate, or, you know, college choices, or things like that, and you just kind of fit that where you can, and that's just, you know, it is what it is, or maybe something's going on at work, and, and everything's great, and everything's wonderful, and maybe, you know, that kind of stays right there, or maybe, you know, something's going on in your family, and maybe you stick that right there, and, and that doesn't really work out a lot of times, and, and you're trying to figure it all out, and you're trying to balance it all, Right? You're trying to make it work. And a lot of times we think that, you know what, Jesus, if, if I just kind of hang tight right here, if I just kind of make this work on my own, everything's great and I've built it and I, I can just rely on it and it's going to work out perfectly. But what, what oftentimes happens is we think we're wise enough or we think we're smart enough or we think we're strong enough to hold it on our own and we're not because when the winds come and the winds blow and everything's happening all around us and the storms come, what oftentimes can happen is, we get pushed off the edge because we weren't planted, we weren't connected, and we weren't in the source like we should have been. And I love what Jesus can do is he can come and he can pick up the pieces and he can put us back together the best way he knows how. And he can make it all work. He can make it all connect. He can make it look pretty. He says, child, I've got you. If you just trust in me, if you just lean on me, not on your own understanding, not on your own will, because listen, baby, I made you strong enough, but I'm stronger. You just have to trust in me. See, what oftentimes happens is if we get to a place where we just connect to the source, if we connect with Jesus, he's strong enough, he's foundational enough, and whenever the storms come and the winds blow, it's not going anywhere, baby. Why? Because you're connected to Jesus. You're connected to the source. Come on, give Jesus some praise. 
So what are you doing to connect to the source? What are we doing as a people and as a church and as a, as a congregation? What are we doing individually to, to make sure that we're connected to him, that we're not going to go anywhere, that we're not going to shift or shake, or, or, or even when the patio furniture is blowing constantly, what are we doing to make sure that we're connected, that we're planted, that we're, that we're in, and we're not going to go anywhere? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I have four points for you today, four takeaways that I encourage you, take notes if you're not, man, take a picture of the slides, do whatever you have to do, but make sure you take these down. These are very fundamental, very fundamental. I know, man, you're probably going to see some of these and you're going to be like, wow, really? That's it? Whoo, Jesus, man, let me, let me sit back a little because these are so mind-blowing. No, these are very elementary. Why? Because sometimes you got to start somewhere. Sometimes you got to start at the very fundamental, foundational principles of who we are to make sure that we are doing exactly what God has called us to do. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, we need to get in our word daily. Number one, get in our word daily. These are on the notes on the back of the bulletin if you're taking notes. If you want to go to eunicechurch.com slash notes, you can go there as well. Fill in, the, fill in the blank is get in our work daily, the word, our Bible. Why is this so important? Why is this so valuable? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, all scripture, say all. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking. Oh, some of y'all, some of y'all got a little amen right there. Like, oh, rebuking. Come on, somebody. I'm on. I can't wait to see that person tomorrow at my workplace. You're going to hell. The Bible said, whoa, hang on. Easy. Time out. Time out, killer. <laughs> It's, for, it's useful for correcting, rebuking, teaching, but it's also teaching in righteousness. Watch this. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's useful for all of those things. We're not called to be rebukers or, or necessarily like, I mean, just people that are going, to, you're going to, you know, just fire and brimstone. Yeah, listen, I, I agree that that's good for sometimes, but at the end of the day, you're called to be fruit inspectors, to inspect someone's fruit. Are they, are they producing fruit? But at, at the end of the day, we're called to love people, right? To grow closer to God together. James chapter 1 verse 21 says this, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word of God. Watch this. Which is able to save your souls. So Pastor Weston, you're telling me that if I read my word, that it can save my soul? Yes. Because if this is Jesus, the word made flesh, dwelling among us, as the Bible says, if this is that important, if God wrote it, if it is God breathed, then I want this inside of me. Thy word have hidden in my heart. If this is that important, if this can save my soul, then I want to make sure that I'm reading it daily, daily. I need to read my word daily. I need to spend time with Jesus daily. That needs to happen. That needs to take place. A few weeks ago, in fact, at the end of January, we had our Momentum Conference with Pastor Rick DuBose. Pastor Rick is, is our general uh, treasurer of the Assemblies of God, the national office, incredible man of God. He sat down in our staff meeting and he began to give us this little 
uh, statistic, this survey taken a, a, a few months ago. And, and the Barna Group, the George Barna Group, did this survey with all these different people, all sorts of different people, church people, unsaved people, unchurched people, all alike. And they began to, to take this survey. And this is found on backtothebible.org. Now, I don't want to give you too much information because we're actually going to be preaching this. Pastor Chris saw this in my notes, and he was like, dude, don't preach my message. I'm like, I'm just going to give a little snapshot and make you hungry for it. So that way you'll come back and it's like, hey, I want to read more of that. So this is backtothebible.org. And this is under, it's called Power of Four. The Power of Four. Meaning, meaning this, that four days a week, Four days a week, they encourage you to read your Bible, at least four days a week, right? And they, they compared and contrast the differences that reading your Bible four days a week would have on your life and how important it was. So here's what they, they found out, that if you read your Bible at least four days a week, that getting drunk would go down 57% in your life. Wow. Okay, Pastor Weston, that's good. Having sex outside of marriage would actually go down 68% if you were reading your Bible four days a week, at least four days a week. That looking at pornography, it would actually go down 61% in your life. If you were reading your Bible at least four days a week, this is the statistic that it would go down that much. And gambling, go down 74%. Really? If that could happen just reading four days a week, just think what would happen if we read our Bibles every day. Come on, somebody. Now, now, I know that that's kind of like astounding, like, wow, that is a lot. Watch this on the other side. Consequently, this is what happens if we read our Bible. Sharing faith with others goes up 228%. Why? Because we're encouraging ourselves to get out and to love people like Jesus loved people. Discipling others goes up 231%. Just reading our Bible four days a week, and I love this. Memorizing scripture goes up 407%. Just in reading our word that many times a day. We want to aim for five and, and try to hit four. I try to read my Bible every single day. Why? Just because I, I, I want to I know what the word says. Because if I'm not feeding myself, how can I ever pour and invest into these teenagers? How can I ever expect to have, have a scripture ready if someone comes up to me with a crisis and they say, Weston, I need your help, man. This is what's going on. I am in mad need of something desperate. And, and all of a sudden, God speaks to me through his word and says, boom, there it is. The scripture have I hidden in my heart. I don't know about you, but that is life changing. I want to read my word daily. Number two, I want to pray daily. We need to get to a place where, to where we're praying daily. And watch this. There's a purpose of prayer. There's purpose with prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Jeremiah 29.12 says, then you call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Listen, Jesus is not just a, a random big guns in the sky just waiting for you to do something bad so he can strike you with a lightning bolt. That's not who he is. He, he wants to commune with you. He wants to listen to you. He wants to listen to your heart. Why? Because you're a child of the king. 
Because, because you're a part of this family. You're adopted in. This is a part of the process. And a lot of times we just sit back and we do, either our prayer life is kind of sketch, it's kind of skeptical, and it's like, I don't even know what to pray. And Pastor Weston, Pastor Chris, I can't pray like you guys, and, and I'm not even going to come, come try close to, to doing that. Listen, you don't have to have uh, four points and a conclusion in your prayer, right? You don't have to get in there and be like, Lord Jesus, ha, I thank you for my day, ha, and I pray. Like, you don't have to get all crazy with it, right? <laughs> Since when did Jesus become like some, some, some crazy guy? Like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's what I'm talking about. No, start somewhere. Start where, start where you're at. Start right where you're at. You don't have to like come up with this crazy thought process with intellectual innuendums. And, and I just made that word up. You're welcome. I don't, I don't know. It's just the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> it's one of those things that like... Jesus, I am so thankful for your goodness and your greatness and all the ooey goodness of your greatness and awesomeness of the Nesses. You don't have to do that, right? You can simply come to him because you want to have a conversation with him. I, I use this illustration all the time. If I, have a, if I have a relationship with my wife, right, who we've been married almost six years now this year, Listen, if I just came home every day and I said, sup, girl, love you. And that was it. That was the, the whole length of our conversation in a day. One, I'd be in trouble, right? But we think it's okay with Jesus. Or, or if the only time we ever came to Jesus is, hey, babe, can I get some money? Because a lot of times we go to Jesus just because we want something. He's not some genie in a bottle. We rub the magic lamp and say, all right, Jesus, this is what I need. I need you to come through all my finances. I need you to bless my children. I need to make sure that you make me a millionaire in five years. I need to make sure that my car doesn't die next year. And I need you to do this and I need you to do that. Thanks, appreciate it, love you, man. Right? Jesus was never meant to be our genie. He's meant to be our God and our Savior. So I don't come to him when I need something. I have daily conversation and I have daily communion with him. I, whenever I pray, I say, Jesus, listen, I don't, I don't necessarily need anything. I just want to tell you I love you. And I want you in my life. And I need you to do something incredible in me. Listen, start where you're at. Start wherever you are. Whether you've been praying for 50 years or you've been praying for 50 minutes. You just get saved today. Whatever that looks like for you. Start somewhere. Let it be a conversation. It doesn't have to be a monologue that you practice and rehearse. Let it be a dialogue. In fact, Jesus told the disciples, pray like this. Pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Start somewhere. Start somewhere, wherever that looks like, whatever that looks like for your life. Number three, establish godly principles. Establish godly habits. Not, not just individually for your life, but for your family's life as well. Listen, Kelsey and I, again, we're not the, the, the bar that we've set and you got to aim for us. And listen, we as pastors, as a staff, we don't do that. We don't, uh, hopefully you find some better examples besides us because we fail a lot of times, okay? But we're, we're not the mark that you should aim for, all right? We're working on our marriage and our lives individually as well, just as much as you are. But listen, we have some non-negotiable principles and habits that we've established in our life. Like, like we're going to tithe and we're going to give to God's house. That, that's period in a sentence. That's a non-negotiable for us. Why? Because we're pastors? No. 
because we love Jesus and, and we believe honoring the tithe and we believe, we believe honoring with our finances that we're going to give of our first fruits. Why? Because it's biblical. We believe in non-negotiables that we're going to live and we're going to honor not only each other, but we're going to honor others in our community. Why? Because we're pastors? No, because we love people and we love Jesus. And if Jesus loves people, then we're going to love people. It, it, these are non-negotiables. These are principles and habits that we've established for ourselves that we're going to do these things. Listen, at the end of the day, Philippians 4, 8 says this, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. Listen, if I have to dwell in good repute and good behavior and I need to dwell on the honorable and I need to dwell in whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, then I want to make sure that I'm doing that for my life. I want to make sure that I'm aiming for those. Because if I don't, then, then what goal have I set to reach? If I'm not setting goals, if I'm not setting standards in my life, then, then what am I aiming for? What am I reaching for? I can know where, where I need to get better. I can have measurables in my life that I know I need to get better in this area or I need to get better in that area. I need to be better at, at loving my, my wife. I need to be better at, at being a better father and spending time with my baby. These are principles and values that I have in my own life that I need to make sure that I'm doing as best I can. Principles, values, apply those core beliefs, values in your family's life. And ultimately, they will lead to godly lifestyles and healthy life choices. Number four, if you're taking notes, we need to be surrounded by godly people. We need to be surrounded by godly people constantly, continuously surrounding ourselves with godly people. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says this, bad company, come on, you probably heard it before, corrupts good morals. Oh, Pastor Weston, for real? Yeah, for real. It's what the Bible says. <laughs> Bad company corrupts good morals. Listen, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you like you can't be around bad people or people that don't necessarily have the right standards and morals that you do, right? God has called us to minister to those people. Amen. Praise God. I believe in those things. I believe in ministering to people. We do it every day. We should do it every day. That's what God has called us to do, to be the salt and the light right? To be an example in all that we do. I believe in those things. There is nothing wrong with ministering to people, but we can never get to a place where our ministry to others causes our ministry's downfall. We can never get to a place where other people's effect affects us more than we are affecting them. Know what you can handle and understand where you're at spiritually. Watch, you may be surrounded by ungodly people at work. I understand that. You may meet people every day in your school campus that do not know Jesus. I understand that. I get it. But watch this. We can't let those people dictate or determine our salvation because that's what Jesus does. Our salvation is not found in other people. Our salvation is found in him. So I want to make sure that I am in a good place spiritually where I can handle no matter what God has called me to do. If God has called me to be a light in the middle of Walmart, then by God, I'm going to be a light in the middle of Walmart. If someone needs prayer in the middle of Walmart, I'm going to pray in the middle of Walmart. What? That's weird. I know. Trust me. I don't like it any more than you do. And I'm a pastor, right? But if Jesus has called me to do it, then I'm going to do it. But we can't, we can't let them affect us. 
We can't let their spirituality or lack thereof affect our walk. I want to give an example because I, I just think this is fun. This is cool. Y'all ready? Y'all like this? Are y'all good? Y'all good this morning? All right, good deal. I'm going to steal this chair and I'm going to uh, need a volunteer, a uh, very light person, Dirk. Hey, I'm glad you're here, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> I've been eyeballing you way in the back ever since you walked in. This is going to be good. Everybody give Dirk a hand. He's cool. Coming in clutch. Come on up, man. All right, I tried this in first service. This was kind of sketch, but, you know, we're going you know, to be okay. You can play. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Everybody good? This is good stuff. All right. So watch this. A lot of times, you know, as Christians, we, we do have to have high morals. We do have to have high standards, right? Again, because... People are looking at us. People are saying, I'm not, I'm not talking about me. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about us as Christians, as people who love Jesus.